Good morning, everybody. Wasn't that awesome worship this morning? I mean, both services. Some, you know, y'all should try coming to all three services sometime. It's, it's, it's really better the second time and, and maybe the third time. I'm just playing. I know you have a lot going on on a Sunday and a lot of family time, but man, I just enjoy singing praises to our God. My name is Matt Lee. I am one of the new elders here at New City Church and also part of the teaching team. And uh, we're going to be continuing our series. We've been talking a lot about generosity. The series is We is Greater Than Me. And I want to talk about how generosity uh, relates to our identity uh, today. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of uh, technology. I've I've got several. I've got two iPads up here. Um, So this could get interesting, right? And in fact, first service, um, and you have your notes in front of you, and you have the apps uh, as well. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. And what I want to encourage you with, I'm going to try to do my best to give you the answers to fill in the blanks to those notes. Um, but if you kind of miss it, it's okay. You know, just 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 listen up. It's okay. But I'm going to try to do my best to to fill you in on those things. But I need a little bit of your help. Um, <clears throat> What are you passionate about? Tell me some things. You can talk back to me uh, at this point in the sermon anyway. No, talk back to me anytime. What are some things that you're, you're passionate about? Music. All right. Anything else? Life. Okay. Life. Somebody say, said children. Royals. Oh, royals. All right. The royals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So whatever area of life you're passionate about, one thing fun about sitting up front you guys saw Joey on the screen. I, I heard his wife say, man, he's cute when he was looking at Joey. On the, so I think she's passionate about Joey, right? So um, yeah, what does, in that area of your passion, what does success look like to you? That might be a difficult question to answer, but what does success look like in your area of passion? Um, how would you, another question, how would you personify success in that area? In other words, Who's a role model for you in your area of passion? Name some role models to me. You guys have no role models? Anita Blair. Anita Blair. That's a great role model. Absolutely. Rachel and Chris Moix, right? Yeah, Chris is one of my role models. He's my brother. He's one of my role models. Anybody else? Well, you guys are a lot more spiritual than 9 a.m.? Yeah, I'm kidding. Somebody said Kimbo Slice in 9 a.m. But, but yeah, like, right, really, just, just really any role models. There's a lot of good role models out there. And we have different role models for different areas of passion or different ideas of success. So what I want to do, uh, you're going to see a triangle. There's a triangle on the back of your notes. You're going to see a triangle there. And at the top, you see success, okay? Um, and you can just write in above success um, your role model. I am going, since he's not here I'm going to write Chris Moix up here for me. Since he's not here, we'll pick on him, okay? But nobody tell him if you stay in contact. So Chris is a role model for me because I'm passionate about discipleship. I can say that in all honesty. I, the idea of, I mean, I believe there's no plan B, right? It's our call as believers to disciple others. So if Chris is my role model of success in this area of discipleship, then what I need to do is uh, I need to take on or put on certain characteristics that Chris Moix might have. Now, since he's not here, we can't name any of the bad characteristics because he doesn't have any, right? 
We know better than that, but okay. So Chris, there are some things that I admire about Chris, right? Um, one, he would take time to listen to me, right? He would take time to listen. So I'll write time to listen. And you could write this in for, for uh, you know, whoever your role model might be. Uh, you could list those characteristics. I, I feel like he was, uh, you know, in, in doing discipleship, he was spirit-led, right? Um, I could write in he was word-centered, we're just going to leave it at that because you probably can't read my writing anyway, right? Uh, he, was, he, he used the Bible like constantly in discipling people, right? So, so all of these characteristics that, that Chris had, and there's a lot more. I'm using him as an example. Put your person in there. Uh, all of these characteristics are things that contribute to him being my role model of success in this area of discipleship, right? So to the extent that I am able to put on or to, um, or to emulate some of these characteristics of my role model, then I, it informs my identity, right? I start to become uh, who I want to be, or perhaps we like to say who God wants us to be uh, by following this role model of success that we've placed in our life. And what happens is, um, it, it sounds pretty reasonable this way, and then when I look back up at, the, uh, at my role model or my idea of success, when I look back up at it and I look at the characteristics I'm putting on, uh, as long as I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm praying, I'm doing these things, uh, I'm following kind of his example there, and I look back um, from my identity to the role model of success, as long as I'm doing pretty good, uh, I can feel good about my where I'm tracking, where I'm going, right? And uh, I think we, I think we all do this uh, sometimes formally, sometimes informally in our life. Uh, I want to pause there for just a second, and we'll just keep this on the screen. But I want you to open your Bibles to um, Romans chapter twelve. Okay, Romans chapter twelve. So we're going to read that together. So one of the things that I'd point out, if you're following in your notes, I've written ICR there, okay? ICR, I've written in your notes. So these characteristics are I-C-R, okay? That's just an abbreviation for influence, credibility, and resources. If I want to be like Chris Moyks. <laughs> That sounds so funny. I'm glad he's not here. If I want to be like my role model, right, then I need to obtain the influence, the characteristics, and the resources that that idea or that person of success has for me, right? And then that informs my identity. And, and we'll come back to this. But let's look at Romans 12 together. And let's read this in, in light of, think about generosity as we read this. Um, and think about uh, we is greater than me, okay? So beginning at verse one, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We could probably use the word give there, right? We associate give a little bit more with generosity than offer or offering perhaps, but the idea there is give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we'll pause there for just a moment. So the idea here is Paul has built this argument through Romans uh, about how we all need God's grace, how we all are ha- have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he's saying that God has given us this, this grace in which we now stand in Romans chapter 5 through Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, now your response to this is to give all of you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give all of you. And it it echoes back to the burnt offering in the Old Testament, which was completely consumed on the altar, okay? You didn't get part of the meal or whatever. It was completely consumed. It was all given uh, to to the Lord, except for the skin uh, that could be used by the priests. But um, so it's, it's this idea of giving everything, right? Uh, so it kind of ties in with generosity, whole life generosity there. And then we read on and we really can see this. We is greater than me as we read on for by the grace given to me. I say to everyone who is among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. In other words, don't think you're more important than everybody else, right? Realize who you are in the Lord. Uh, so that speaks to identity as well. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, uh, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So, uh, in other words, hey, God has uh, given us this identity Um, don't think of yourself more important than you need to. We're all part of this body together. He's given certain gifts and you're used or to use these gifts, not to be about yourself, but to show others love. And then he doubles down uh, on some practical things, what this love looks like. If we continue reading here, uh, picking up at verse nine, love must be sincere. Um, How many of you know that we can do things in the name of love that are actually about ourselves, right? Um, you know, when, when I was a young man, I might've said, I love you to somebody. And that was really about me. Right. Um, so we can, we can get these things twisted very subtly. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There we have it again. Just this this giving, this generosity. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Boy, that's, man, that just kind of hit me. How how often do we do that in in the political climate and any climate, family climate? I'll read that again. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, 
Again, whole life generosity. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, help us to just receive your word. And God, we're using this shape, um, but it's just a tool, Lord. I pray that you would just apply this stuff to our hearts as you want um, to apply it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So back to our, our triangle, our life shape, right? So we read these, these, this Romans 12, and it's all about, you know, giving all of ourselves. It's about, man, it, you know, I, I've, I can't get myself above other people. And, and it's about this love that's, that's sincere and what that looks like. And all through that, the idea there is it, it can't be about me. I can't be conceited. I can't be puffed up. I've, it, it's, it goes back to the great command, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, getting those relationships right. It, it kind of all goes back to that. And as I described it, uh, before we did the scripture reading, uh, this, this kind of makes sense, right? It seems like a reasonable way to live life. I have a role model. Uh, he has certain characteristics, and I try to put on these characteristics, and as long as I'm doing okay, I can kind of measure my success and my growth pattern uh, toward what I believe success is. And, and all of that might be well and good. In fact, it reminds me of the assessment we do at the college. I, I work for Kansas Christian College, and we have to do assessment, and you have to have goals and objectives, and then performance criteria, and then you have to measure yourself somehow uh, according to that performance criteria, and then you repeat the process, and the idea is you just keep getting better and better and better. The problem with this model is if our hearts aren't right with the Lord, this this model can really get twisted and get twisted really, really fast and get us sideways. And it can cause a lot of problems, not only in community, but it can cause a lot of problems in generosity and just make us miserable and put us in bondage to a whole lot of things. So I'm going to flip the script a little bit and I'm going to talk about a little bit about uh, the, the problem um, with, this, with this model. The problem comes in, in this model, if, I, if I'm working, uh, you know, counter counterclockwise here, um, if I'm working the triangle this way, the problem is when I, when I do not measure up to the ICR, right? When I do not have the influence, the credibility, and the resources that my role model has, that creates a problem for me. I'm lacking something there. And I would point out, uh, when I use ICR, influence, credibility, and resources. What I did there is, you, it might sound a little familiar to you. Patrick Johnson spoke last week about the three Ps, right? And he talked about margin in our life. Uh, if you remember, the three Ps were power, prestige, and possessions. So what I did with influence, credibility, and resources, I tried to sanitize the three Ps, make them a little more digestible, and make them sound a little bit more Christian, Right? Like, so we could live with them. We could feel good about chasing influence, credibility, and resources, but it doesn't sound so good if I'm chasing power, prestige, and possessions, right? So that's all I did there. I reframed that. So if you're filling in your notes there, you, you could just kind of, uh, the three Ps are the ICR, okay? So the problem comes when I don't measure up to the characteristics of my role model. So what happens when I don't measure up and I look back at my role model of success, I experience 
what we would call shame. Shame. Shame is me believing that God made a mistake with me, right? It's me believing that I'm not good enough or I don't measure up. Something's wrong with me. I've heard it phrased in a lot of different ways. One of the most simple ways I've heard it phrased is that shame, uh, guilt and shame, by the way, they're, they're, they're kind of related and we use them interchangeably a lot. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong, okay? Um, guilt is, is a painful feeling associated with one's actions, whereas shame is a painful feeling uh, associated with, um, a, a painful feeling uh, that's associated with oneself as a person. So guilt has to do with action. Shame has to do with your identity, okay? Guilt, when given by God, can be very, very healthy. Shame, at least I have not found any place where shame is actually useful from a psychological perspective. If you found that, I would love to discuss that with you because I haven't discovered that yet. So to give you an example, if, if walking into church this morning, I would have cussed out Joey for some reason. I don't know why I would have cussed you out, buddy. But if walking into church, I would have said all this nasty stuff to, to Joey because he cut me off in traffic or something on the way, then hopefully I'm going to experience some guilt over that. I'm going to be, you know, I, I shouldn't, my actions were wrong. And I'm going to go to Joey and say, man, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry that I did. I didn't really do that, guys, just in case you're wondering. But um, I, I need to apologize for my actions there. Right? Shame, on the other hand, is, man, I cut, I'm supposed to preach and I cussed Joey out. Uh, what does this mean about me? Like, am, am I not, oh my goodness, like, am I, am I not allowed, should I preach now? Like, should, like, what's, you know, I'm not, what's wrong with me? <laughs> right? Now, there's a place where we need to ask, okay, where do I need to grow? But I'm talking about, if I cussed him out, then if I did this action, then, man, Something's wrong with me. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, Because what happens there is, in order for me to experience the godly sorrow that scriptures talk about, um, 2 Corinthians 7 talks about godly sorrow. In order for me to experience that godly sorrow, I have to have an amount of of actual love and empathy for Joey, right? It, It Truly, if I'm apologizing out of love, I am concerned about how my words hurt him, And how I might have damaged him or caused him to doubt. When I'm I'm gripped with shame, I can't experience that kind of empathy for Joey because I'm so worried about myself. See the difference there? It's like, oh man, oh no, what is it? Oh oh dear. And so a lot of times, unfortunately, what we do is we apologize not because of guilt, because of shame. We're worried about us more than we're actually worried about the other. So it's it's not really motivated by love. And we'll, we'll come back to that. But uh, what happens is when we experience shame is we begin to chase our identity, right? We're going to chase it. And regardless of what you put at the top as your role model of success, even if it's a good thing, like I think we'd all agree, like Chris, he's a great role model, right? We can still chase this identity. In fact, we can put Jesus at the top here 
and we can talk about how Jesus loved others, how Jesus fed the poor, or Jesus did all this stuff, and we can chase our identity by trying to do, 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 right? And the problem with this is, again, when we're not measuring up, we either have to convince ourselves we are measuring up and become proud, or we, we start to realize, man, if I'm going to be okay, I've got to double down, right? I've got to intensify things. I've got to do more. I've got to pray more. I've got to do all of this. I've got to, I have got to keep on, keep on. And we just, it intensifies and we're in this cycle. And, and this becomes uh, nothing but really bondage to us, right? It becomes bondage to us. At this point, you might be asking yourself, well, what does this have to do with generosity? What does this have to do with whole life generosity? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you here. Um, When we're chasing our identity, we are gripped with shame. We do not have any margin in our life for true love-motivated generosity. Right? Patrick Johnson talked about margin. When we're chasing our identity, we have no margin in our life for generosity. Instead, we're on, in bondage to how much or how little we have, right? When we're chasing our identity, that ICR, those three Ps, hold us in bondage because I don't have the room to give you any of my influence, any of my credibility, any of my resources, because if I give you those resources, I might not be okay. So we have no margin to be generous. The problem here isn't so much the words we've written on the screen or who's at the top, but the problem, and I alluded to it earlier, the problem is when we're chasing our identity, it reveals that God needs to do some more work in our hearts. It reveals a heart problem, not a physical heart problem, but a spiritual heart problem. See, when we're chasing our identity, I believe, and this is, this is maybe just a little bit, um, a little bit hard hitting, but when we're chasing our identity, our motivation to put on the characteristics is really greed, right? It's greed. It's interesting, those of you who went through the journey of generosity, there's a video in that journey by author and pastor Tim Keller. And he, uh, he talks about how um, in his time as a pastor, and this is really remarkable that people have confessed a lot of things to him, some big things like adultery, right? But nobody has ever come up to him and said, hey, pastor, I'm, I'm really struggling with greed, and part of the reason for that is, is, is greed is, it's really deceptive, isn't it? And he talks about how he's the type of guy that can buy any book because he's a pastor, right? And as a pastor, he needs to have the knowledge. And in order to have the knowledge, he needs to buy all these books. And if he doesn't have the books and he doesn't have the knowledge, he might not be the pastor that he needs to be. So he can justify spending money on any book at any time, except for cookbooks, he says. <laughs> right? So you can kind of see through his example how it's very deceptive, this idea of greed, how we can justify just about anything 
if we're chasing our identity. Well, this is just going to help me be what God, no, I, think I should be, right? So this is the problem. We're, we're often motivated by greed. Well, well let's, uh, let's define greed a little bit more here. This is notes from the left side still. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something. And we should probably circle the word selfish, highlight it, and underline it. An intense and selfish desire for something, I believe the dictionary says, especially possessions. But greed is this, this motivation of the heart. Intention, intense and selfish desire for something. And underlying greed is a belief that I lack the ability or the resources to get the job done. It's a mentality of lack. It is a, here's the second blank under there. It is a fear of not having or being enough. It's a fear of not having or being enough. So if I have this intense and selfish desire, and let's just take the deviousness out of selfishness. I don't think any of us, at least I haven't met you, and I don't want to know if your heart's like this. I don't think any of us walk around like, I want it all for me. You know, I don't think we do that. Maybe you do. That's the evil voice of my heart, by the way. No, I don't think we do that. No, I think it's more like, man, I need to be this. And I mean, so we don't think of ourselves as being greedy. But the reality is, if I'm chasing my identity, if my identity is wrapped up in how good of a disciple maker I am, and I need to be like Chris Moix, then I am going to be like, well, hey, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for generosity uh, campaigns. I don't have time for any. Like, this is all about, like, I have to get this right. Because if I don't get it right, then I lack something the, the, the resources to get it done. And I am fearful that I am not enough to get the job done. So you see how greed motivates us toward chasing our identity here. So it's interesting when we talk about greed, not having enough, not being enough, it really runs parallel to the right side of this shame, right? The shame in our life not being enough, not having enough. And I've already pointed out, if I don't believe I'm enough, it's impossible for me to love like I'm supposed to love. Because think about it. I could get up here and I could preach a thousand biblically-based sermons. And if I'm chasing my identity, although that might do you some good, because God's word doesn't return void, right? I think he used a jackass in the Bible to speak his word, right? If, if, if I'm chasing my identity through that, it might do some good. It, it might, you might feel it. You might hear it. You might even get some good out of it. But at the end of the day, if I'm chasing, it's still about me. It's not motivated by love or generosity. It's about me. And hey, look at me. I, I feel okay because I did this. If I give $100,000 in the offering today and just tell Matt Miller I'm not going to do it, okay? I don't have that kind of cash. But if, if I give $100,000 and I feel like that's going to uh, buy my way to heaven or, or somehow get me in right standing or whatever it is, you know, that's not, although New City would do a lot of good things with that $100,000 and it would touch some people, at the end of the day, my heart is still far from God because it's all about me. It's not real generosity. It's just a show. It's just me chasing my identity, right? 
So what happens is we get caught in this cycle of chasing, chasing, chasing after identity. The Apostle Paul, I think, said it this way in this chapter we often call the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men of angels but have not love, I am merely just making noise. I'm like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. That's all it is. So the heart of the matter when it comes to generosity, when it comes to living our life, the heart of the matter matters. So the question then that we've, we've got we've to come to a solution on here before we end today, the question has to be, how do I move from chasing my identity and, and bondage to how much or how little I have to whole life generosity? How do, I, how do I flip this around and how do I begin to live? Because these are all good things, right? I mean, the shame, the greed, not so much, and the bondage, but, but my identity, these characteristics, these, these can all be good. So how do I move toward whole life generosity in this? Well, the first thing I'd point out, and I already, I already quoted it, but I, I want you to look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, and again, we read Romans chapter 12, and really to understand 12, I mean, context is king, right? You've got to kind of understand the whole thing. But Romans 5 kind of gives us a glimpse into the context. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that peace, I mean, it doesn't sound like this chasing and this, and this fear and lack, does it? No, it doesn't. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. If you have your notes there, I would say circle uh, peace, Lord Jesus Christ, and grace. (laughs) Circle those things. Because the reality is, in order to move away from chasing, we've got to, to just flip the script again and begin to have a relationship with Jesus. So the first thing we got to do is we got to get Jesus at the top, right? Now I've already said we could we could put Jesus up here and still work this the wrong way. But we we've got to have Jesus at the top. He's got to be truly our beginning and our end, right? He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. We've got to start with Jesus. And when we start with Jesus, as this Romans 5 talked about, we need to know and experience the peace of God. And we need to realize that he has given us our identity through the gospel of grace. Right? So we must know and experience the gospel of grace. If you read Romans 7 or Romans 6, 7 and 8 together, but Romans 6 in particular, it talks about if you died with Christ, you also were raised with him. And it says, no, it says, reckon, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This has nothing to do with characteristics or our actions or our, this has to do with this identity that God has given us in and through our relationship, our union with Jesus. He has given us our identity through God's grace. And we must know and not only know, but experience this gospel of grace. 
for a long time, I grew up in a, I love my heritage, by the way. I grew up in a, a in a old-fashioned Wesleyan holiness home. I love my heritage. I love to study John Wesley and those things. But there was a, a great emphasis placed on living um, carefully before the Lord. In hearing and obeying Jesus. There was an emphasis on Jesus is Lord, right? That, that you need, if, if you really were following Jesus, you would do these things. I love that, okay? I, that, and that's good in its place. And in discipling culture here at New City, we emphasize, you know, obedience. Like we, we hear and we do, right? We hear and we do. And, and those things are important. But can I just share with you for a long time, I struggled with my assurance. I struggled with, man, am I measuring up? Am I okay? It's like somebody said between service, you know, they, they sometimes are questioning God. God, I think you chose the wrong guy. And I struggled with that for a long time. And finally, I realized through, I mean, God just without sharing a lot of details, it, it was like a flip switch in my mind one day when I realized that when I sin or when I mess up as a child of God, I can run toward Jesus rather than away from him because I'm his child. He loves me. He has what's best for me in mind. So as we experience the gospel of grace, he gives us our identity in Jesus. And what happens when he gives us our identity in Jesus, I'm running out of room here, so I'm going to draw this arrow here, then we can begin to put on <clears throat> the new man, we can actually give ourselves to others. If you go back to Romans chapter 12, let's look at Romans chapter 12, those first couple of verses again. Um, it says, let me get there. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is the basis of our giving there? God's mercy, God's grace. In other words, he's saying, don't be motivated by greed that you're not good enough or by shame that you're not like, you got to do more. And so, so go ahead and offer you said, no, no, no. In view of God's mercy out of gratitude. And so we, we get to get rid of greed here and we got to say out of, whoa, out of gratitude, out of gratitude, we could put gratitude down on this line rather than, rather than greed we begin to read scripture, we begin to serve others, we begin to give. And you see, when, when my identity is not tied to how much or how little I have, I'm no longer a slave of fear and lack. And I can trust my heavenly father to say, you know what, if he says give, I can give. Even when I'm not, God, I don't know what you're doing here. When he says go, I can go. My story of generosity, I didn't share this in the first service. I didn't think of it. I work at the, at the Christian college, and the Christian college doesn't pay competitively what I can make in other areas, okay? And I took about a 60% pay cut to go from where I was working to the college. I share that not to say look at me, but, but 
I remember that was really scary for me. It was really scary for my wife. Like, how are we going to make ends meet? And I felt like the Lord said, you know what? If you do this, I'm going to bless you. And, I, and he gave, and I, like, I don't make statements like this very easily because money is something that God's still working with me on, okay? But <clears throat> I told my wife, I said, you know what? I really believe, some, I don't understand it all, but I really believe when we do our taxes every year, since we started here, that we're going to make more money every year just out of obedience to this. And it's true. It's happened. Don't ask me how, but God has blessed us in, in very different ways. Now, again, I share that not so, oh, well, maybe I'll give more so I can get more. No, that's greed, right? But I'm saying this like, I, I, it was okay for me to make that decision because I knew I was God's child and I knew he wanted to take care of me. And so I had the margin in my life to say yes to God. That's how we move from being in bondage and chasing our identity toward whole life generosity by knowing that we're his. We have the margin to give. If Curtis would come, we're going to close today by taking communion. And uh, on this Palm Sunday, when we think about identity, I I would challenge you to think about Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. You know, people were waving palm branches. They were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were really speaking a lot of things about his identity, weren't they? And, you know, I'm sure that was, as, as a man, I'm sure for Jesus, that was in a lot of ways very satisfying to, to see people give accolades and to wave those palm branches. But we know Jesus knew he was entering into Jerusalem to give everything, right? To empty himself. And that's really what whole life generosity is about. It's following the role model of Jesus, taking on his identity. And because we have, we can give it all to him. So we have four stations. Uh, as Curtis plays and sings, what I invite you to do, you can just go and whenever you're ready, you can go and take the, the bread that represents the body of Christ, the wine that, that represents the blood. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we can be generous today because you're a generous, generous father. And you gave everything to your son and your son in turn turned around and gave everything for us. And now, Lord, we can turn around and we can just give everything for everybody and just right back to you. So, Lord, as we partake of communion today as a family, we pray it would draw us together and draw us closer to your heart. Help us not to chase our identity, but to rest in the freedom of knowing that we're your children. Lord, if anyone doesn't know what it means to no longer be a slave to fear, I pray they would reach out, they would talk to somebody. And please know, if you're listening, you can pull aside any of the elders, you can talk to Pastor Matt, you can talk to me. We'd love to pray with you. I'm so thankful I'm a child of God. Lord, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.